and verse 7 of 2 Samuel. I love God. I love the church. And I think you guys are just outstanding like ice cream. My Lord. But the king spared <laughs> Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. We're going to pray. Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Bless us as we hear your word. Give us unction, anointing. Let the rhema speak, God. Let it be a word from the Lord. And we can leave you and say, let the saints say, amen. Because great is the Lord and great is to be praised. Lord, we depend on you every service to speak to us. Speak to our needs. Speak to our walk with God. Our fellowship in this present age we're living in. Guide us by your grace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. My title is Curse Survivalist. Cursed Survivalist. Hallelujah. I didn't hear no shouting out there. Many of you have forgotten that you were one time cursed. Many of you have forgotten that you came out from the curse. But the Bible speaks about King Saul coming to kingship. And because of a mistake that Joshua had made many years ago, the Gibeonites deceived him. You never make decisions without consulting God. No matter how prosperous you are and how things are working your way, you still need Jesus. You need to find out what the urine and the thumbing is saying. You've got to have a word from the Lord. And like one of the young lads said two weeks ago, wait, wait, be patient. Don't push the rope. You can't push a rope. So just wait and hear what the Lord has to say. But the Gibeonites were afraid of Israel. Ahai was defeated. Amen. And other nations were destroyed because Joshua was invincible. And God had told Joshua, nobody can stand against you when I'm for you. And as long as you walk in the steps of Moses, you are going to have prosperity, success, and affluence and your name will be great. And that's still true today. Doesn't matter how many university colleges you've been to. If you will stick with the truth and with God's word, you will prosper. And you will have good success. It doesn't matter which party is being elected or lost their place. You don't depend on the economy of the world. You depend on God's economy. Your employer is God. <laughs> your CEO is Jesus. The kingdom of God is yours. God is in charge of his church. And so they were afraid of Joshua. Now church, I want to tell you, some of you on your job, you're being picked on or being persecuted by your enemies, so-called. I'll tell you why they're doing that. They're scared to death of you. And the best defense is an offense. 
Even a little critter who can't even attack you properly will attack you even though he's afraid of you because he's cornered. And so here is uh, the man called Joshua conquering and moving and having countries toppled at his right hand and his left hand. And now the Gibbonites heard about it, powerful nation, powerful like Russia and the USA and Germany. And they said, we ain't going to tangle with those guys. They got God on their side. They brought Jericho down. They brought all these, they brought Egypt to its knees. And we don't have that might. You know, aren't you glad some people are smart? They realize that they can't fight God or God's people. They might as well join us because we're going to defeat them. No matter how the battle seems, we're going to win regardless. And so they say, you know what? We're not going to waste one, one man with those guys. They are bigger and better than we are. We're going to join them. But you're going to do it. I'm going to send some ambassador like Mr. Carey around and give us some, lo some bread, some loaves, tattered clothing, dress them up like they were worn out from 19-whatever for several hundred years and show up because we heard that Israel is merciful because their God is gracious. And so they came to Joshua with moldy bread, tattered garment and clothing and said, we are from a far country. Liars, the next door neighbors. Joshua's moving in on them. <laughs> They're scared to death. They're going to trick Joshua. They said, look, we need your help. Would you please feed us and take care of us? And, and by the way, can we be a covenant with you? We want to be a part of you. Can we be a part of you? Well, Joshua, his heart touched him. And Joshua made a silly mistake. Now, Joshua called for all the elders and all the captains and didn't call the priest. Moses told him, when you make decision, call for Eleazar. Do not go to battle without his consent. Get his guidance. Because the Urim and the thumbing is to give an indication of whether things are going to be okay or not. Get all the lawyers you want to, all the barristers if you want to, but they don't have the answer. God has the answer. Well, he did not do that. For some reason, the only mistake Joshua ever made in his entire ministry. Otherwise, he'd be a perfect man, a perfect man with no flaw. But this time, the Bible says he chose not to seek the Lord. And here's the frightening part, church. God did not make any indication that he should seek him. God is watching him to see what he would do. Many times you don't realize God is watching you. There is an unseen eyes from heaven watching you to see what you're going to do with opportunity when it comes your way. Opportunity to be disloyal to God. Opportunity to be loyal to God. Opportunity to be faithful. Opportunity to be unfaithful or to be just or unjust. God sometimes allow you to make the decision without any indication he's watching. But God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. We read on Friday that his name was not mentioned in the book of Esther, but his divine providence was there. They could not win the battle if God was not on their side. 
If God was not in their heart, they couldn't have made it. But God was with them. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we, we learned that he said, okay, I'll make a peace treaty with you. And as soon as they finished the treaty, they said, sorry, we are your neighbors. And we know when you make a covenant as the Israelite does, you cannot break it. It's like the laws of the me's and the person. You've made a covenant and you have to stick to it. You can't say, well, I, oh, it was a mistake. I'm sorry. God said, no, 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 no. Blessed is the man that swears to his own hurt and does not repent. Don't change. So Joshua now made a decision and God is going to honor everything he said. You know, church, be careful when you pray how you pray. Israel was cantankerous with God and said, oh, I wish to God I die in the wilderness. God says, request granted. You're going to die in the wilderness. Hello? They got what they prayed for. So be careful what your lips are saying because you might be your own judge and jury and hangman. Amen. And so the Bible said they made the league. So Joshua was angry. Now he can't be angry with God because he never included God in the decision making. And most times we bring to God the Torah roses that we try to open ourselves. And the prayers come apart. But he was not in the decision making. When calamity strikes and you've got problems and terror come at your gate and you're in heartache, then you run to God and say, God, rescue me. But God said, what about in the beginning? Before you make the decision you made and got you in the place where you are, why was I not included in the first place? Why am I in the after the thought situation? Hello. Israel was told, go to the God you serve. Let them deliver you. The one you were faithful to. The one you were loyal to. Let them deliver you. Don't come to me and cry. Go back to your gods, Baal. Huh. Well, they know better than that because Baal don't answer prayer. Hello? So God said, I cannot change what you just told him. You swore in my name. And if you change what you just said, you bring my name in disrepute. It's like a resume. You know, I tell most folks, don't come and ask me for a resume because if you're not faithful, I'm not going to put it on there you're faithful. I'll be lying. And I'm giving credence to something that's not true. And pretty soon, you're going to mar my reputation. Amen. I don't want to endorse something that's not endorsable. And God said, you put my name on that covenant and I'm going to honor it because you swear by my name. And so he got mad. He was angry. He said, now, okay, i tell you what I'll do. I'll make you hewers of wood, drawers of water, and you'll be slave for us for the rest of your life because you deceive us. And so they became the bondsmen of Israel. Everything works well. Joshua died. The judges reigned. And then Samuel came on the scene, anointed a king called Saul, and Saul, for a while, was God's choice and the people's choice first. And God said, let me be king. So he was king. That means they gone from theocratic, amen, to a monarchical system. That means man reigning in place of God. And God said, fine, but you're going to have problems. They said, we don't care. We'll have it still. So God said, have it. You know what? I said, you get what you pray for, right? You pray for a dime, you get a dime. 
You pray for a billion dollars, you get a million dollars. You pray to be sick, you get sick. You pray for liberty, you get liberty. It's up to you. Your mouth is where life and death is. What you say is what you get. Like they say, what you see is what you get. But what you say is what you receive. Amen. What you conceive, you give birth to by your thinking. Now, and so the Bible said, here they have this king. He went to battle and won the first time, and he got puffed up, stuffed up. And, you know, he thought, look what I did to my sword. The people started singing his song. Amen. He felt pretty good about it. Hey, church, when you make victories, not yours, give back the honor and the glory that belongs to God. Daniel said, don't look to me, king. I'm not the one doing this. There's a God in heaven. Judah said, don't look to me, king. It's not me giving the interpretation. It's God. I'm just a mouthpiece, a vessel that conveyed the will of God to you. But I take no credit for what's going on around here. It's God who make it happen. Without him, we're at zero. Well, King Saul didn't learn that. He thought he did it with himself. He and his son, Jonathan. And then he made a terrible mistake. Samuel told him to wait. Wait until I show up. Hello? Everybody needs somebody over them. Yeah. Amen. And so he could not submit himself to Samuel. And when Samuel, which God, I think, allowed this to let him delay. A church delay don't mean denial. It means stand still and wait for the salvation of your God. He will show up. No matter how late it seemed. Well, he got pushed and shoved and the crowd pushed him and made him do something silly. He went and stepped into areas where he doesn't belong. I want to tell people about this here. There are offices and responsibilities in the church that some of us are not qualified to be a part of. Even though we have the talent, God may not chose us to operate there. You don't change lane without getting a car crash. Hello? You don't veer off the side. You may think you can do this and do that, but if God don't appoint you for it, you have no business there. You're out of place. Amen. God don't need my help and your help. God has put us where he wants us in the church. And, 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 and so... It's not the place of the king to wear an ephod and to offer sacrifice. Well, he did. And as soon as he's finished, guess what happened? Samuel showed up. What a sad situation. And Samuel says, what have you done? Remember this morning? You want to worship? But do it God's way, not your way. What have you done? Well, the people was pressured, and I felt as a king to make a decision and I offered a sacrifice to God he said well you've done foolishly what worshiping you mean it's not my place to do this no it's not your place you're never so pressured that you disobey God you're never so in greater trial and tribulation that you deny God that you apostate God stand true no matter what it is stay true and blue for God and don't change. But you know what he did? He said, I forced myself. Now, my conscience told me, don't do it. It's wrong. It's wrong. But I forced myself. I override my conscience. I stepped in a realm I shouldn't have done. 
Now, folks, temptation is what it's all about. The devil can't make you sin, but he can sure entice you to it. Hello? And you got to overcome it and not force it against it. Because I always ask people, did God ever say, don't do it? Yes, I felt God said, no. What do you do? I force myself. Because the Holy Ghost will not arrest you and stop you. He just speaks with a still small voice. Son, no. Daughter, no. That hurts me. That separates us. Don't do that. And he just, don't do that. 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 We're talking. That don't mean approval. It means you're on your own. Hallelujah. Praise God, you're on your own. And that's where the devil may have the cover us. Amen. So I said, all right, you're done foolishly, but I'm going to give you one more chance to do the right thing. Now go kill Agag, <laughs> that Amalekite. Wipe him out. Now, God didn't tell him why, but you see, some church, anything, and now you parents listen to me one more time. Anything the parents don't deal with, the kids have to deal with it. Yeah. Amen. Don't leave it as a heritage for your kids to, to wrestle with. Don't leave a curse for them. Leave a legacy of blessing. I say a legacy of blessing. Leave that for your children. Do everything in your way to tear down all the, 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 the endurances and give them a clear path. Like the boy said, Daddy, put your foot in the right place because I'm right behind you. Dawg says, Daddy, put your foot in the right place because I'm right behind you. Putting my foot in your footprints. Well, you know what he did? He spared Agag. Again, worship God the way he told you to. Amen. But he said, no, I'm going to do it my way and brought him and said, I want to sacrifice this to God. Church, none of us in this church have a pocketbook big enough to redeem us from the curse of sin. You don't have any kind of blood type that can redeem you. No intellectual uh, putting together to save you can talk yourself out of the devil's hell. You can't talk yourself out of hell. You can't debate yourself out of it. Only the ransom price of God's provision can do that. Without the grace of God, we're a total disgrace. It takes God's aim and spirit to bring us out of darkness into his marvelous light. But you know what? Saul couldn't understand Samuel saying to him, obedience first, sacrifice next. You know, I watched people with tithe. I got a phone call the other day asking for a job, and I thought, no, not you. You've had, when you were here, two, three jobs, all miracles. God gave them to you, and you were, dis, you were dishonorable. Even though God gave her the job and opened the door for you, you dishonor him, and then you went back into drugs and smoking. He went back into drugs, taking drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, and smoking, and the, the, it's going all, now the family's falling apart. Why? Because when God began to bless people, they forgot the blesser and love the blessing. Take the blessing of God and give it to the heathens, gods, who did not help them in the time of their distress and oppression. 
And so Saul, God said, look, I'd rather obedience first, then your sacrifice, and the rest comes in place. Amen. Well, God, I got some bills to pay. I pay my bills first, then tithe after. That's not what it says. It says, honor the Lord first. You put God second, then you're second too. You have no time for me. I'll have no time for you when your calamity comes. When your horror strikes. When heartaches and problems hit you, don't come to me. I'm going to treat you the same way you treat me. Hello? You reap what you sow. What are you sowing? What are you planting? Well, he planted something that affect him. And then the Bible said, God said, you're not going to be king anymore. Goodbye. I'm going to find somebody to replace you. That bothers me. There's somebody in this world, maybe in this city, that can replace Brother Neil. You're not indispensable. God don't have to have you. You have him as a privilege. Everybody don't know God. Knowing God is an opportunity that God gives to you. You walk up tomorrow and there's 10,000 trying to get in because the violence are taking it by force. Amen. And people with bulldog faith going to get on in for sure. And we're going to be locked out. The Bible told the Pharisees the Rahab going to be in and you're going to be locked out. Queen of Sheba is in, you're out. What I'm trying to say to you, Saul, lost God. Church, hear the next word. And an evil spirit took over. When God walked out of the house, the devil walks in. If you're a backslider, he won't come alone. You're going to bring him plus one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The seven most deadliest sins are coming with the one you lost. That's eight. Eight means your last state is worse than your first state. You don't think so? Absolutely. Look at Judas. A rope around his neck. Hello. He messed up. And so God said an evil spirit was on him. And the spirit of peace and tranquility. And the grace of God was on him. Went to somebody else. There's always somebody to take your chair. There's somebody that will be committed where you find hard to be committed. There'll be somebody that will be loyal and faithful to Jesus where you find hard to be loyal and faithful to Jesus. Amen. And all you're doing is cursing yourself. Because there are three levels of curses that are in the world. One is witchcraft. The second is you curse yourself. And the third, when God curse you. Think about it. The worst is when God curse you. Nobody can deliver you. God hand him over to his own will to do whatever he wants to. Because once God out of your life, you can do whatever you want, go wherever you want, be whatever you want. He will not interfere with you at all. And so Saul have an evil spirit bothering him. He's got to fight a war and try to appease in God. He went to kill the Gibeonites. Well, the Gibeonites is not his problem. The Philistines are, and his own will. But trying to be heroic, <laughs> nationalistic, 
He thought by genocide killing off the Gibeonites, that would appease God. He's trying to fix the mistake that he thought happened to Joshua 100 years ago. And God said, no, you guys saw wrong. Joshua gave them my word in my name. And you have no rights, not from me, to do what you did. I'm not with it. You're on your own. And he wiped them out, church. And for a while, it looked like he succeeded. Now, the Bible said when he lost his life, an Agad killed him. An Amalekite killed this man who would not kill the Amalekites. The thing you won't destroy will finally destroy you, then your home, then your marriage, then your children. Destroy it before it kills you. And so it, caught, it brought, brought him down. Now he's dead. He's dead. His bones are buried. And now something happened. The Bible says three years of famine. Look, church, in chapter 21 of 2 Samuel. Three years of famine because of historical baggage. Historical baggage. We sin in secret and get punished openly. You folks haven't heard what I just said. You sin secretly and you pay openly. Three years of famine. David said, oh God, why is the sword in my house? Why are we suffering? Why are we having pain? Why? What's wrong? He says, the Gibbonites, the Gibbonites are calling for revenge. And I am a just God, a righteous God, and I must show justice. And they desire revenge. That means they want revenge for what Saul did to their ancestors. Are you with me? It's amazing, isn't it? Church, would it be nice if you and I turn on the sin that used to have us bound? Instead of go back here and embrace it, go kick it out of our life and step on it. Say, goodbye cigarettes. I hate you. I will not pick you back up. Goodbye drugs and alcohol. I will not sip you anymore. Goodbye Amy Tavern. I won't be a part of that. I won't hang around unbelievers that will drag me into sin. I won't be a part of that wicked life. Goodbye. My God, can he imagine me go pick up back up cigarettes and start smoking again? What for? You kill my lungs? Shorten my life? It's already short already. Well, God says, do as they say. They said, we want the seven sons of Saul. We don't want anybody to die except the son of Saul. Not church. Saul had five sons and two with two concubines. Hello. Would it be a shame? Amen. If Jack has to die because grandfather made a mistake. Is that terrible? The sin of yesterday affecting us today, which I didn't commit it. But grandfather handed me down a legacy of curses. I want to tell you, church, the saving of the blessing of God went down the line, trickled down Abraham's lineage, down to Levi. Same with the curses can trickle down from mom and dad down to the kid, to the daughter and the sons. 
you are affecting your children and don't even know it by your lifestyle. Every time you anger God is another mark against your son and your daughter in the future. You are opening up gates that you don't want to even them to walk in. But wishful thinking won't keep it away. You have to live the life. God said to, Abraham, to Solomon, I would have judged you if it had not been for David. I'm going to keep polite. Wouldn't it be nice if your kid can one day grow up and hear God speak to them and said, because your daddy was faithful, because your mother was faithful, because you came from a home that served me, I will not do this to you like it's happened to your friends. Think about it. You got a godly mom and daddy who love God and on drugs and alcohol, almost go worship them. And thank them, thank you, mom and dad, that you're not a kind of lifestyle to give me a bad example or some ghost following me from you. But the Bible said they wanted the sons of Saul. They didn't care if it was nephew or grandson, just give us Saul's ancestors. Now here's where my message comes in now. Jonathan was a righteous young man. His father wanted him to be king. Well, by, by bloodline, he should be king. But Jonathan saw David's commitment and what he did to Goliath. And Jonathan went right to David and said, David, you will be the next in line for the throne, not me. I couldn't do what you did. And Jonathan stood there and backed off his robe. Took off his garment of warfare and kingship and command David to strip and took and exchange the clothing that's kingdom minded you know people are kingdom minded don't come by and say well that's not my department I said I won't do this it doesn't matter whose department is it God's kingdom doesn't matter who get the credit as long as the job is done that's what's important in a kingdom minded person and Jonathan said, you will be King David. And they wept. And David said, what am I to say? You're the king's son. And Jonathan would not betray David in spite of his father nudging. In spite of the javelins. In spite of the curses from the dead. And the innuendos. The boy stood firm at David and said, David is going to be king. I can see the anointing. I want to ask you a question, church. Can you bless other people's kids? More than you bless yours. I told the story before. The lady who was taking care of another person's child. And when she cooked, she gave all the leftover meat from the, from the stew to her child. Thinking she spoiled another kid. And gave all the nutrients of the liquor into the other kid's bowl. And couldn't understand why her kid was dying from malnutrition. You see, you can be smart in your own eyes until it becomes your own demise. Thinking you're smart or getting by, you're not. You're planting the seed for disaster. And so the Bible know that at that time, amen, that the little boy, they call him Mephibosheth. Born to Jonathan. 
The nurse heard that something terrible happened. That Jonathan lost his life. And the father is dead. In her panic situation, she got up and she ran for coverage and protection. After all, the Philistines are coming. And in her running, she dropped that fragile five-year-old baby and crippled them in both legs. Let me tell you, church, many kids are not dropped physically, but they're dropped spiritually from the house of God. You cut your daughter out from the hearing the word of God. You cut your sons off from hearing God's word. It's no different than dropping them short of the goal that God brought them in this world for. And so she dropped him and his legs were crippled. Now he can't walk. He grew up. He's a crippled kid. He had to be carried not knowing that the sins of his family has visited the child. When you become parents, your life better change. Your friends better change. Where you go better change. What you bring in your house better change. What you talk about better change. What you live better change. Because it's going to affect them whether you like it or not. They are the CD being copied from your lifestyle. And you're writing their CDs for them. And you're their Facebook and their blog book. They're not saying anything, but they're watching you. And they're looking at you. They know if you're a hypocrite. They know if you're unfaithful. They know if you're disloyal. They know if you're trustworthy. They're not saying a word. What's locked in their subliminal hypothalamus. And they're looking at you, sir, ma'am. And they're watching what you allow. And that value that you put inside of them is etched in their heart. Hallelujah. Jonathan is dead. Saul is dead. But judgment is alive. Think about it. And the sad part was the Gibeonites said, no amount of money from the house of Saul can repair the damage he has committed in our family. We want blood for blood. So what shall David do? Seven sons. He's got more than seven sons. Hello, in the family. In church, I can see the rod of judgment come. One, two, three, four, five, six. Mephibosheth said, oh no. And he went right over him. <laughs> and went somewhere else. And seven died. And you survived. Church, that was no accident. Why he survived the curse of Saul's house. Saul's house is called a bloody house. What kind of house do you have? A haunted house or a house of God? What kind of God do you serve? I want to tell you husbands, you beat your wives and beat them, your son's going to go up and beat his wife. I want to tell you, wife, you're unfaithful to your husband. You're, you're totally going to do the same thing. Woo, I lost you now. Hello, are you in the wrong church? Are you in the right church? What you do as a 
gender role model is going to affect your children and your children children and your job is to let them survive your mistakes we talk about cancer survivalist somebody with cancer survived it people rare wear, wear, wear these emblem on their clothing I survived cancer or I survived highway 63 how about saying I survived drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and, and whoredom and, and sinful practices because I'm being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Mephibosheth couldn't understand why the king would power to submit him to the gallows because they would hang them all for at least 30 days or several months in the sun. Let them sit there for the crows to pick at them. Mephibosheth, you're alive and well. What happened to you? Surely goodness and mercy had followed me. My dad did something that I'm benefiting from. I'm reaping the harvest of my father's ethics and his values. The Rod of correction went over him. The sword missed him. He was not decapitated. He was not hung because somebody laid a foundation on which he could build on. Church, mom and dad, I want to tell you right now, if you have children, you should be the most prayerful person in this church. Your knees should be calloused. On your knees there should be evidence of constant bowing. It should look like you walk on your knees because you got a favorite position. That when you're praying, hallelujah, you pray like Anna and give your sons and daughters to God like Anna to bring the light back into the house of God and not let God's house become a haunted house or my house become a haunted house. I'm trying to tell somebody here, we need somebody who can survive your pain and survive your lost life in the past. Thank God my sons are spared what I used to go through. Thank God. I know one father said, look, when I was 12, my father kicked me out. Now you're 12. I'm going to kick your wrong fatherhood. That's not the way it is, my friend. They should be standing on your shoulder. And you should be preparing a way for your sons and your daughters not to live the same problem you had. But our church, they survived the test and the trial and the tribulation. So the Bible says, after it's all over, he survived. It's a mystery when they see him walking down the street. There goes a man that mercy visited. He should be a dead man, but God's mercy. The king said, let him live. Let her live. Don't, don't do to them what grandpa is worthy of. Let him live. Hallelujah. Mephibosheth have no idea that mercy and goodness followed him and was on him. At least somebody dropped him already. How many times must a person have jeopardy? This is double jeopardy in his life. Now it, the sentence of death is over him and the sword just missed him. Hello. 
And one day David, like King Asherah, sat in his temple. And David had a thought, Oh, God! <laughs> Isn't there somebody in the house of Jonathan or David, I mean Saul, that I could show mercy to? Isn't there somebody that mercy can visit and I could be the agent of that mercy? He's asking God. And then somebody said, there's a, a person. They said, what's his name? His name is Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. He said, get him. He can't walk. He's crippled. They dropped him at age five. He has to be brought. Bring him. <laughs> Mephibosheth, he can't walk and come to the king. He has to be brought in those areas. There's no wheelchair for him. So they brought him in. I could see when he came in, he thought, this is the end of my life. I'm going to die. I saw my seven brothers got killed. Now it's my turn. Everybody have a purim in their life. What should have happened will not happen. Because you found grace in the eyes of God. I believe everybody on the Pentecostal pew was one time an enemy of Christ. I believe one time we were Satan's slave. And the curse of Cain and sin was on us. And I believe somehow, hallelujah, in your family, in my family, and in your city, in my city, in my country, in your country, in your school, wherever you came from, somehow you passed from death to life. When others died, you survived. You survived. The penalty and the curse of sin. Because God gave you favor. You're divinely elected to live. Oh, the grace of God that brought salvation to man. Hallelujah. Oh, great and how oh, wonderful. How oh, marvelous. How oh, beyond human comprehension that God should love a sinner such as I. So wonderful is God's love. Think about it. How many people you know, your age group are dead on the gallows or in gunfights. Diseases from your community. And here you are in the house of God, the palace. You are a survivor. You survive where others have fallen because you found grace in the wilderness. Oh, hallelujah. 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 And he said of himself, King, I'm a dead dog. Why does a king want a dead dog in his palace? But Mephibosheth forget one thing. Man's best friend is his dog. And one thing about the dog only one person can own him. He's a good dog. Only have one owner. Dogs are loyal. Dogs are faithful. I'd rather be Satan's, I mean, I mean Jesus Christ's dog than Satan's king. Ugh. I'd rather be Jesus Christ's loyal dog 
than Satan's emperor. Because dogs are loyal, faithful to their master. Amen. In fact, I watch people teach their dog to be obedient. Sit. And he sit. Come. And he goes. Hallelujah. I wish to God that anointing could come in the Pentecostal church. Hallelujah. He said, I'm just a dog. Why do you want me? David said, no, you are not a dog. Not when you come into my palace. I chose you to live. Amen. And now I want you to live in my presence. He said, I want you to sit at my table. I want you to enjoy the blessings. Amen. A royalty. You're not the king's son, but I'm going to adopt you like you're one of them. I'm going to dress you up like one of us. When I come to my banqueting table, you are allowed to sit as royalty. Nobody's going to take your head. You're going to live. You're going to live like a survivor. You're a survivor, the only survivor of the house of Saul. Everything else collapsed and died, but you survived. Let's be honest, church. How many in your family have a revelation of the oneness of God in Christ? How many are baptized in Jesus' name? How many got the Holy Ghost talking in tongues? How many know what holiness is? How many know what truth is? How many know that Jesus Christ is coming? To whom God make known the manifestation of the glory of this dispensation? How many know that for a fact that I am the only one in my family? The seven bowed. It's no accident. I am a survivor of the curse that ran in my family. Maybe mama was a drunkard. Daddy was a drunkard. Maybe my peers were prostitutes. I don't know. I don't know what, so what they were. But one thing that I know, I've been different. I've been changed. I'm a survivor. I've overcome. Hallelujah. I said, well, come. They said he was crippled. So the king said, now you sit at my table. I want you to imagine, church, as he sat at the table, the tablecloth would cover up his deformity. In this church, God has covered you with his glory. The glory of God has covered your deformity. Yes, if God removed the, the, the glory, your nakedness would show and we would see that you're deformed. But the glory covers the Shekinah. Atala The carnal put on the spiritual. The temporal put on the eternal. The earthly put on the heavenly. Oh, come on, somebody. Mortality swallowed up by immortality. What has happened? I've become the grace of God's servant. I'm sitting at his table. And somebody said, blessed is, are they who are called to his table. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm trying to talk about a guy called Mephibosheth. He sit at that table and John the blessings that his seven brothers never did. They were hung. But you are seated. Let us stand. I don't mind telling you right now. My wife don't know everything about me. She knows some things about me. But she don't know the depth of my sin that I lived in. And she don't need to know either. But I want to tell you the reason why she can't know. Is because the glory of God covers it up. I'm a survivor. 
of addiction. I'm a survivor of wrong lifestyle. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a survivor of rheumatic fever. Amen and healing. God heal me of it. I'm a survivor of Satan's plot and desire to destroy me. Right now I'm sitting at the table like a prince. I don't have no royal blood in my name, but I got his name and his fame on me. Can you hear me, church? Can you hear me, church? Kids, let me tell you something here. Don't you ever take mom and dad testimony experience for granted. They're telling you about a road you don't have to travel. A place you don't need to go. They're doing everything on their power to keep you from going there. I watched the mothers of those seven boys. It was just too late. When the crows come to eat up their body, that one lady sat there with her coat. These are my sons. You're not going to eat my son, you crows. And she tried to stop them. And she tried and she tried. I want to call on you mothers right now. What about your prayer meeting? Raising up your hand and keeping the crows and the ravens from picking out your kids' eyes and picking out their heads. Because the eyes represent revelation and their ears represent, amen, God, divine illumination of his word. I want to tell you, we need mamas and papas. Amen. So I'm going to give you a legacy that you don't have to go through what I've been through. I'm going to make you a survivalist. Amen. And a revivalist because of the life I live. The devil is so angry that I left sin. But I got no offspring from to attack. But you precious mom and dad, you got kids. When folks can't get you, they scratch your car up. Burn your house down. And your car and your house is your family. Praise God. The first thing Samuel and Mama did was to hide her son from the influence of Peniah. She hide her sons from Peniah and put him in the house of Eli. And Eli's sons were trying to get to him. Amen. But she visited her son every year and gave him a coat to remind him, you can't do as those boys do. You're different. You're different. You don't have a revelation into who God is, but nevertheless, just keep doing by function. Pursue the procedure will get in your heart. Keep the lights burning. Hallelujah. I feel sorry for parents who won't bring their kids to church. They cry and say, well, my kid got to go to school tomorrow. The best school can be is in the church. You can go to hell with PhD and Master of Science and Master of Science, but you can't go to hell, amen, with the Holy Ghost and Jesus name baptism. Let's worship God. I survive nicotine. I survive the spirit of Fort McMurray. They said you can't live here. It's a lie. You can't survive. Hallelujah. You know why? Because greater is he to send me than the one in the world. I first got my job, 
The first thing they told me at midnight, we play basketball. You're going to join the team. That's not a condition for this, my job. Oh, no. I'll be in church or in the house with my family. Hallelujah. I say, hallelujah. What about Esther? Esther killed a captivity. She don't know all that captivity. Praise God. But there's a Mordecai in her life. It's a girl. You have to learn to preserve what is sacred. Would you bow your heads right now and ask yourself the question, are you a survivalist? I know some of you gone through battles this week. Every child of God is an overcomer. Mephibosheth will never forget. I got seven brothers whose neck were hung by a rope. But I survived. I survived. To talk about it. Anybody here God's talking to this tonight? Cursed. But I'm surviving. Mm. Ruth. Cursed. Like the Edomites. But survived it. Huh. Uriah, a Hittite. That should be killed a long time ago. But he survived it. Jephthah. Born out of wedlock. But he survived. Talk about it. Shaka Mahala Mahaya. Is there anybody God is talking to? The Gibbonites are calling for revenge. I believe every night the devil tells his little imps, kill Brother Neil. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. He turned on us. I used to be his master. He should be my servant. Hallelujah. Boy, I kick him out. Come on. What about the Ethiopian? Survive the, the curse. And enter the house of God. I'm a survivalist. Curse, but I survived. Balaam couldn't do it. The Gibeonites couldn't do it. Haman couldn't do it. Because I'm a survivalist. I'm going to survive. Till he come, I'm going to survive. I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm going to survive. I'm going to survive tribulation, heartaches and pain, and problems and temptation. I'm a survivalist. I'm going to survive the problems I'm going through and the heartaches that I'm seeing. I'm going to survive it because I'm a survivalist and I'm going to sit at his table when he comes the second time. Shabbat Oh, my loving brother, when this world's on fire, don't you want Christ's bosom? Because